0: Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Hello and good morning and welcome to Vessel Collective Church. Thank you so much for joining us for Church at Home from the safety and comfort and quarantined stay-at-home order that you are enjoying in your own house today as we are here, uh, Gary and I, in his house. So thank you so much for being here this morning. And I want to say thank you for joining us, especially if you're joining us live on Facebook right now. Um, I We've said this every week, and it is, we've said it every week because it's so true, is that being able to gather and be together online and to see you commenting and see you tuning in. um, It means so much to our church, and it is so encouraging and so impactful. You know, one of our core values here at The Vessel is the value of unity. We have four core values, and it doesn't mean that we don't value other things, but these four things are the things that We feel God has called us to hold in the highest regards and really help shape and identify who we are. And those values are humility, um, the value of authenticity, the value of generosity, and finally the value of unity. And I will tell you, Vessel and church and family and friends that are watching right now, I don't know if I've ever felt more unified as a church uh, than we've been the last several weeks. And it has been really amazing to see the Lord's faithfulness in that. And that's what God does. He does what we think is impossible, the Lord does. With God, it, it is possible. The impossible is possible. And you think about you think about the isolated world that we live in right now and how isolated people are. And you would think that this would be a time that would be divisive for the church, but has really, really, really been unifying. And so I wanna say thank you so much for that. Uh, as you're gonna to hear tomorrow, if you haven't heard already, uh, Governor Abbott is releasing um, some more information about beginning to open up the state of Texas, which includes churches. And uh, so I want to encourage you to be on the lookout for us, for some posts and information this next week on a quick update on what we at The Vessel are doing regarding as we look forward to um, churches and open or closed. Let's be clear and straight and forward as that because of uh, stay-at-home order or quarantined or not being able to gather in person has not limited the vessel from being the vessel and for our church gathering. So uh, let me just say that up front. But as we look forward to and as the, the day is coming of us being back and gathering together in, in the physical, you know, with one another on Sunday mornings at the Chasco family YMCA, um, where we're thinking and praying and going to be very careful and really discern uh, what God is calling us to do and how that's going to look. So I just want you to be patient with that. I'll put up on the screen right now, we've got a little slide that has our social media, our website. Um, this is These are the best places for you to follow along and get that information as it happens. And so um, take a look at those. If you're on Instagram, on Facebook, those links are there. That's where we are social on social media. And then our website, www.vessel.church. So you can follow along there with all updates and what you need to know regarding us uh, looking forward to gathering again and what that process will look like. But I want you to know that our church is unified right now. And we're not going to do anything. Or act in any way that will disunify the church, that will break that up, and so we want to be patient. We want to uh, use wisdom and discernment of of what is the right thing to do. So I know that that's a lot of caveat up front, but I wanted to say that, and I want to thank you so much for being here right now this morning. Thank you for that video. Uh, I love our church, and I love seeing those videos. And I think my favorite uh, top 10 thing that's best about church at home was Veronica saying she did not have to brush her hair, which I think is drastically unfair because I do have to brush my hair because you see me on video. So, uh, anyways, thank you for being here. Uh, We started last week a new series that we're calling the first days and coming up until Easter and through Easter We looked at the last days of Jesus Christ and really we didn't skip a beat even transitioning from this series called the last days Which are the last days of Jesus' life into the first days of the church Literally we carried over from the end of Luke right into Acts chapter 1 the very few verses where we see the disciples are there Uh, Jesus has been crucified, dead, buried, risen from the grave. He's visited them uh, at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts. That they're at the Mount of Olives where Jesus ascends to heaven. And immediately we see the birth of what we know as the modern church. And I think it's it's sometimes we read Acts and it's easy to look at Acts as this ancient thing, as this foreign Ancient church that we have modernized and improved upon in some way and that is different than now But really that's not true at all that the, that the disciples and the birth of the church, we're still living in that same reality. And so you begin to see things in Scripture that um, that jump out to us, and we're going to be continuing on in that this morning and looking at the first days of the church. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. If you want to go ahead and pull up your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. So let me pray, and we'll jump in to God's Word. Dear Lord, I thank you for unity. Jesus, I thank you for the vessel and how, uh, God, you have been so gracious and good to us, uh, to unify us during this time that even being online, even making, you know, kind of fun and lighthearted top 10 videos or posting things on social media or being on zoom calls or phone calls with one another, um, God that you have enabled unity and gathering, um, uh, where the world says there's isolation. So I thank you for that, Jesus. I pray that anyone out there that's listening to this right now that does not feel connected, that feels isolated, Lord, enable them and empower them to run from that and run to you and run to your church and the community. I pray that we would all be mindful of those who are around us. That we'd be intentional about reaching out, about including God. We say at the vessel that you belong here that is a motto of sorts to us um and god that is so true that this is a place for everyone lord that there's no comma after that it's you belong here period we thank you lord that that comes from you that you invited us into your bride that there was no one too far no one that struggled too much no one that's done something that disqualifies them from the blood of your son and so I just thank you for that Jesus I pray for your word right now as we read in Acts chapter 2 God I pray that you give clarity and understanding and encouragement to our church when it comes to the Holy Spirit God would you amplify your own voice and silence mine God would you activate your give my gifts and skills and use me right now God to truly be a vessel of your word uh, I pray these things in your name amen So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. This is uh, a very famous scripture that you likely know, even if you haven't spent a lot of times in church, you know about what what Pentecost looks like in the the day of Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be reading Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 15. I'm reading out of the NIV, and then we'll look at the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit, what it means for our church. And so, in Acts chapter 2 says this. It says, uh, if you remember from last week, the, 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 the disciples are there and they're waiting. The Lord has, they've been in prayer. Uh, They've been faithful to stay in Jerusalem, to wait on the, on this promise from the Lord uh, that God has raised up leaders among them. And we know that they're in the upper room. There's about 120 and that they're praying and waiting for this promise that Jesus promised of this Holy Spirit. So beginning in Acts chapter two, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. And so... um, we see this gift in this coming of the Holy Spirit into his church. And the truth and the reality is that, that the same spirit that came and fell on them in this moment is the same spirit that dwells within our church and within ev- the life of every person that has given their life to Christ and, and lives in accordance with the spirit. And so <clears throat> this as we look at the first days of the church and the birth of the church in the context of our own lives and and doing church in uh 2020 and being a part of vessel collective church there's there's truth and significance here that is powerful and that we need to hold tight to and so um there's a few things here that i think are really important so I'm gonna gonna list through a few things that that are, are true here, and we're gonna kinda break those things down. And I want you to kinda look at these in two parts. We're gonna have four things that we really focus and learn about here in scripture and highlight, and the first two really have to do with communication. They really have to do with communication, and these first two, while they're separate things, they work in conjunction with one another, and so, uh, and and I'll wrap those two up before moving on, and so the first thing that we see here on this day of Pentecost, the disciples are gathered, the Holy Spirit falls on them. I love this idea that they're all together. If you were here last week, I talked about being of one accord, and uh, it speaks to our value of unity at the vessel. It speaks to the reminder that these disciples were of one accord that they were unified in Christ it says when the day of Pentecost came they were all together and the first thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit that's important and significant is that the Holy Spirit is heard the Holy Spirit is heard Verse two says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And and a mighty rushing wind is something that is heard that it tells us. And that's different than it being felt. I think a lot of us, when we think about, and we hear the scripture we think about wind in our own life As you know, if you're sitting outside, I know, I think it's gonna be like 100 degrees this week in Texas, um, right at the beginning of May. But if you sit out this past week and enjoy the nice weather in the evenings, you know, a breeze has come through. And a breeze is felt, man. You can sit up there and think, man, it is so nice to feel that breeze. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that a might, they didn't feel a mighty rushing wind. It says, but they heard a mighty rushing wind. And it's the same thing that Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus and Jesus have their secret meeting uh, together. In John chapter 3 verse 8 it says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit, which is exactly what is happening right now to, to the church is the Holy spirit is coming and filling them and and falling on them. And so, This idea of the wind being heard is really significant and really important because how we gather most of our information, our first of our five senses, the the sense that is most important a lot of times for us gathering information is is our ears and how we hear how we hear things. And so I've never been in a hurricane or a tornado or anything like that, but you hear reports of people that are hunkered down when a storm comes through and they say that, that a tornado can sound like a freight train coming through. That's the sound that is so eerie and that's what scripture is talking about. here. It says it's a mighty rushing wind. If you look further along in the scripture in verse six, uh, continue on this idea of the Holy Spirit being heard. Verse six says, is when they heard this sound, our crowd came together in bewilderment, that it wasn't just these these 11 or these 12 disciples or the 120 that are gathered in the upper room. The Holy Spirit is heard from others, that other people hear this sound. In verse eight, they, they even ask the question, how is it that we hear our own native language? Again, the Holy Spirit is speaking through them, is using them, and the Holy Spirit is heard. And then in verse eleven, it says again. It says, um, "It says we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues," and it's this idea and this truth that the Holy Spirit is heard. There, there's, we struggle so often. And I was talking with, I was on a prayer call this week uh, with our prayer team, and we were sharing kind of how we'd seen God working this week, and then what we had struggled with this past week. And someone that was on the call with me shared that they had been struggling. To hear God, that they've been praying about something specific and designed to hear the Lord. And I think that, you know, that we can get so narrow on what that wants to what we want that to look like, that we bring our agenda into the Lord about how we want to hear the Spirit. We want to hear it uh, at this time. We want to hear about this thing. And honestly, we want to hear this outcome. And 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 we have this agenda as we come. But um, we, we see here that the Lord is creative in how, and that the Holy Spirit is creative in how it's heard. And the truth is this. The truth is this, is that the Holy Spirit gives the church its voice. The truth is that the Holy Spirit gives the church its voice. And as we're thinking about the first days of the church, and we're thinking about it for us, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is a gift to the bride And one of the things it does is it gives the church's voice. You know, when I started this message and each week I start, I pray for myself. As we start, I pray for the Lord to speak and use me and speak through me. I pray that the Lord would amplify his own voice and silence my own. And, um, it's uh, funny because when we started this church at home, my daughter Sloan pointed that out one of our very first weeks that we were gathering. We were sitting there on the couch and the message started and she said, You know, Dad, you that's kind of selfish. She's like, You're kind of selfish praying for yourself. You're praying. And I so I explained to her, I was like, Lord, or babe, I'm not praying. For myself, I'm praying for the Lord. I'm praying for the Lord to use and speak through me. And I think every pastor and preacher has had that moment where you've been so desperate and you've been struggling with what you're trying to say or communicate that you're thinking, Lord, I pray that you change the words as they're coming out of my mouth. Lord, that you are giving me voice and that you're changing those things. When my grandfather passed away uh, at his funeral, his cousin, uh, who's a pastor, Gave uh, uh, you know, gave the eulogy, and he talked about the moment that my grandfather uh, accepted Christ. And it was his first time to preach. And here he is, he's like a 15 or 16-year-old kid. And, and they bring him up in front of the church. This is my grandfather's cousin. And they bring him up in front of the church. And he, he wants to be a pastor and he wants to be a preacher. And they give him the mic and he prepares. And he prepares. What he said is he prepared an hour-long message. He said, well, then about eight minutes later, about eight minutes into that, when he was done with his hour-long message. He didn't know what else to do, so he gave an altar call, right? He did what he thought was natural. And he said he didn't know what he said. He didn't know how bad he butchered it. And there coming down the aisle was my grandfather, his cousin. Here's two teenage cousins. And he walks up to them, and they go up to the altar, and he says, Well, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And my grandfather says, I don't know. He's like, okay, well, let's pray. And they prayed for salvation for my grandfather in that moment. And I loved hearing that story at my grandfather's funeral, just to have his cousin share, like, I don't know what I said. I don't know how bad I butchered it. It wasn't good, but the Lord still used that. And this idea of the Holy Spirit giving the church its voice. And I want you to know that, man, I am desperate for God to speak. I am faced every day with how how broken and limited I am in my struggles. And so we come and we gather together and we pray that the Lord speaks. And I had someone related to me one time understanding the spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking and being heard. And I had it related to the idea of a trumpet. So if you have a trumpet or a French horn or a tuba or a trombone or whatever other Uh, wind instrument you would like to choose. But if you have a trumpet and you put it here on this table, a trumpet by itself makes no sound. If I put a trumpet on this table, it is made to, it is created and designed and built to make music. But if I set it here on this table, it does nothing. And the same is true about our own giftings, that it's not about us. It's about the Lord using us. And it's not about just the church, but it's about God using his church and his spirit, which are gifts to us, to be able to make a sound. But when a, when a trumpet player picks up that horn and he blows into it, it makes, it makes sound. And it's the, it's the musician that's creating the sound through the horn, and the same is true about us and the Holy Spirit is our giftings and our giftings alone are nothing if they're not used by God. And so even for me, even for Jessica and Gary and Shay or anyone that's teaching, or for you, if you're calling someone on the phone and, and God is using your gift of encouragement to speak encouragement into their life, that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. You are but an instrument. As Scripture says, you are but a vessel. Second Timothy 2, 21 says, is that we are nothing but instruments. And our the Holy Spirit is given to us and, and dwells inside of us to be used by God. So the first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is heard. And I want you to know, and this isn't, this is in the most humble way possible, even now as, as we're open to God's word, is that the the Holy Spirit is speaking now to us. He's speaking to me, speaking to our church, and that is powerful. And we've got to hold tight to that truth and that understanding. The second thing is this, and again, in the same line and vein of communication, not only is the Holy Spirit heard, but the Holy Spirit is seen. In verse 3, it says, And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. The King James Version, which I know Maddie Parker loves, says it this way, uh, Acts 2, 3, it says, And there appeared unto them... Cloven tongues, like as of fire, as it sat upon each of them, and I love that idea of the way the King James Version says that appeared unto them, um, and this this idea of appearing unto them is the same as in Exodus three when Moses comes upon the burning bush. It's like this idea is that it appeared to be burning. That that it doesn't say that he saw fire. Right here, it doesn't say uh, they saw fire, it says they they saw what appeared to them to be, or what seemed to be fire. And this is very consistent language throughout scripture. In Exodus three, you look at Revelation uh, in the throne room and it's described using these precious jewels. It says it is what appeared to be bronze, what appeared to be diamonds and rupees and fire. And and it's this appearance of, and it's kind of like if you're describing a dream to someone like if you if you had a dream when you have your dream and even as you come out of that dream it makes sense but it doesn't make sense and there's no words to be able to clearly articulate that it's like i had this dream uh, the other the other the other night and i was telling shay about it i was like we were at this place and it was you, but it wasn't you. Like there's no context that that makes sense, except in my dream that made sense to me. It was Shay, but it wasn't Shea all at the same time. And that's the same thing as like when you're retelling a dream is the same thing here is that scripture uses this idea of, and, and language of, saying that it appeared to them to be like and so the Holy Spirit being seen I'm not saying that uh, we can get a sketch artist and draw exactly what the Holy Spirit looks like but we see evidence of the Holy Spirit and this word appeared is in the original Greek is this word herao herao is this word appeared and it has uh, the reason that we have multiple translations this is a bit of a sidebar and I won't say how long but the reason that we have multiple translations is that um It's not it's not black and white if you've ever studied another language it's helping understand what is what is meant to be said rather than a word for word translation so that's the reason that whether you have NIV or the ESV or King James versions they're translated differently because there's no it's not just a one to one ratio it's trying to communicate an idea and so when i study and i look at scripture i like to look at what the original greek word meant and this word appeared has three definitions and i think i'm going to read all three of them to you and I think it gives us understanding about what's meant here, about seeing the Holy Spirit. Because they're all three different, but if you look at them as a whole, trying to understand what the Greek and what the original author, what Luke meant when he wrote chapter, uh, Acts chapter two, what God meant when he wrote that. And so the first definition is to see with the eyes. Like that's the, the easiest, most basic understanding of what it, something appears to you, right? Like I'm saying this, this limer, I can't see you. I see an iPhone, a tripod. I see Gary on the other side. I see a light, a light, and a light. Uh, and that that that's what I see with my eyes, and that's what appears to me. The second definition is to see with the mind, which is more this idea of something that's being perceived, and it's the idea of like you can see what's happening. It's the reason that Shay can't watch The Office. It's too uncomfortable for her. Like you see these things that are going on, this uncomfortability that you can't see and touch, but this idea of seeing with the mind. The third definition of this word Harao, which is appeared in verse two, is to become acquainted with by experience, to become acquainted with by experience, to appear to someone. So if you look at this idea of the Holy Spirit being seen and them saying that, that what appeared to be tongues of fire separated and landed on each one of them, if you look at this word in its whole, you get a better understanding of what that means to have the Holy Spirit being seen. It's seen with the eyes. It's, it's perceiving with the mind and it's becoming acquainted with through experience. It's experiencing the Holy Spirit. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, I guarantee you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior. It is not because it is because of what you've experienced. It's because of salvation that you've experienced. And there's nothing that's going to take that away and that is powerful for you and it's it's the lord appearing to you um right now i've i've been challenged and i'm memorizing romans chapter 8 the entirety of romans chapter eight, and i'm doing this with a group of people and so that's been really i i've really loved doing that and not only have i the scripture and memorizing the scripture has been has been good for me as an exercise but it's given me a better understanding of the scripture and so uh Romans 8, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So if we think about this idea of what appears to us, what, what, what appears to us in our mind, and this idea of what Romans 8 says is, What is your mind set on? Like if you, if you think, you know, a mind that's set on the flesh, as verse six says, leads to death, but a mind that's set on the spirit gives life and peace. And if you've ever heard the term like, man, you've set your mind to something like I've set my mind to do this thing, whatever it may be, is that you've, what you've really done is you've mentally committed to that thing. You've committed, committed mentally to that thing. So the truth is The truth is, is that we see the spirit at work, that that we see the spirit at work when we know what to look for. That's the truth, is that we see the spirit at work when we know what to look for. If you've ever done like a word search or a where's Waldo, right? The reason you can find Waldo in that book is you, you know what you're looking for. The reason that you can find the word peanut butter in your word search is because you see in the word bank, it says peanut butter. And you know what to look for. And the same is true about the Spirit. If you take time in your life and you begin to look and you know what the Holy Spirit looks like, that you've had this, he's appeared to you and, and knowing him more intimately and seeing him, seeing him with your mind, you begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit all around you. And the the Holy Spirit is seen. We see him working. And I mean, there's, there's just experience and time and time again, where those things, uh, where we see the, the Holy Spirit working. And so this idea of these first two points, the Holy Spirit is heard and the Holy Spirit is seen, is this idea of communication. As we see in this moment, the Holy Spirit comes and it communicates to that, that to them. And this idea of hearing and seeing is a common trend throughout scripture. If you go back to, uh, you know, like in Isaiah chapter six, where God calls Isaiah, it says that, that he, it says that he hears, let me see if I have Isaiah six pulled up and how fast I can get there. Isaiah chapter six. It talks about the same idea of hearing and seeing. It says uh, that that he says above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with with two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And listen to this, and they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, to the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah heard them. He saw the seraphim, and he heard them singing these words. And listen to this, verse 4, at the sound of their voices the Holy Spirit is heard. The doorposts and the thresholds shook, seen, and the temple was filled with smoke, seen. And it goes on to say, when God calls Isaiah and says, here I am, Lord, send me. And he said, go and tell his people, be ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. And this idea of our sight and what we, what we see and what we hear, this idea of perception and understanding are tied throughout Scripture. And we see that here with the Holy Spirit. Um, and we, we see it coming in this place. The third thing that we see here that's really important in Acts chapter 2 is not only uh, is the Holy Spirit seen and heard, But the third thing is, and this is really important, and and you're going to see that this has become this very divisive thing within the church. And it's important that we understand and embrace this idea. It says that the Holy Spirit fills. The Holy Spirit fills. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this is the the first time that this idea of the filling of the Holy Spirit is introduced. And uh, we have, you know, Old Testament, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't there, it doesn't exist before that moment. We know that's not true from John 1, 1, um, and the Trinity of God. But this is the first time that we see the, the Holy Spirit filling those. There's plenty of te- uh, examples in the Old Testament about the Spirit falling on someone or being on someone. But if you are filled with something rather than having something on you, is a very different thing. And a little pop quiz. When is the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in Scripture or where we see the Holy Spirit? I'm assuming you are all getting this correct, this answer correct, and so you get a gold star. And it is in the second verse of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 2, it says the earth was formless and void. And the, the scripture says the ruach of God hovered over it. The ruach is, is the, the spirit of God, which is a wind, which is a wind. The same thing that happens here when the spirit falls here, it is this wind. And that, that the Holy Spirit was there at the creation of the earth, But this is the first time where the Holy Spirit fills God's people, where it fills his church. And so it is literally where we get our name, Vessel. Vessel Collective Church, our our, our name is Vessel out of that very idea is that God is filling us. So I've brought here a vessel. This is a vessel, and I know our logo is a compass rose, which has, the vessel has multiple symbolism. Not only are we vessels, but the idea of a ship being a vessel and us being uh in that ship but but a a vessel is is what we call our church our mission statement is that we are called to be vessels of the living christ set apart for his purpose in his kingdom and so i have here what is a vessel and this vessel is empty and i want you to know church that it's important that we see every one of us sees this is our lives that we see ourselves as, as vessels waiting to be filled. And it says here in the scripture, it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So if I took water right now and I filled this up to the brim, I mean, I, I poured and poured and poured or whatever liquid it is, it's the same thing as, as God filling our own lives. It's pouring into us all the way up to the brim to the point that there's nothing else in there. There's nothing else in there except what God has poured in. And then what happens? Look at the scripture here. What happens after the vessel is filled? It is poured out. Once a vessel is filled, then it is poured out. It says, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And, and this idea of them being filled up and then immediately poured out. The Spirit fills, God fills them up, and then they're poured out, and the Spirit's using it. And then what happens again? Once I, if, if we have this vessel and it is serving, uh, wine, right. And we're at a, we're at the wedding of Cana and this thing is serving wine and we fill this up with wine and we pour it out until it's empty. What now? What is this good for? It's good to be filled back up. And that is the truth about the Holy Spirit is being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continuous thing. And, um, and, and the truth is this, and then I'll say this. The truth is being, with the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing and consistent process. It's an ongoing and constant process, being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's filled, it's poured out, it's empty, and it's filled it's poured out, it's emptied, and that's, that's what our lives are to be, and that is why God calls us to be vessels, is so that we can be filled with this Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 says this about the same idea. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit sing and make music from your heart to the Lord Always giving thanks to God and the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ And this verb here is being filled. It's really important And So we're gonna get really like ninth grade 10th grade English on you really quickly because it is important that we understand the filling of the Holy Spirit because it matters and it, is, it matters that you understand that and that you see your life in that way if you call yourself a Christ follower. The verb that's used here in, in Ephesians 5.18 that says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. First of, first of all, it is a passive verb. It's a passive verb, which may seem not that significant, but that has huge implications for us in our life. A passive verb means that the subject of, of the sentence was acted upon by the verb so if jake is filled with the holy spirit right that it's acted upon me right that jake the subject was filled; that the verb acted upon me, and the same is true about this: is that the way he uses it is, is a passive verb, it is something that's happening to us. It's not trying; it's not taking the waterfall. Said it's not that we've got to you know get in a certain way, or we've got to gather in an upper room, or pray this certain prayer, and it's got to look like tongues of fire. No, it is that that we are allowing ourselves to be filled. And the truth is, is what we do is we take our vessel and we don't see it passively, we take an active role and we, that's disobedient and we take this and we fill it with what we want. We fill it with what we think would be good. We fill it with success or we fill it with money or we fill it with reputation or we fill it with, with, with alcohol or addiction or pornography or arrogance or pride and we fill our own vessel but what scripture says is that this idea in Ephesians 5.18 is that it's being filled, that that is being acted upon. That It's allowing God to fill you up. And that's, a, that's an act of submission. That's an act of taking us as a vessel and pushing it over the table to Jesus Christ and the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit to fill our lives. And that is a, that is a bold and faithful and powerful thing that you can do is that you have this and to put it there and to say, God, your will be done. God, for you to pour your spirit out of me so that I can be poured out for your purpose and your kingdom. The second thing is not only is it a passive verse, it is an imperative verb, which means it is a commandment. It's not a suggestion of scripture. We are commanded to allow and to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to allow that to happen to us. And so, so that scripture there in 518, it says, instead, be filled. That's an imperative. Being filled is imperative. It is a commandment to us out of scripture. And the last thing is, is it's, a progress, it's in the progressive verb tense, which means it's continuous It's continually, instead, continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continuous process. And I'm telling you, church, if we can see ourselves in that way, if we can get to that place where we say, man, God, we are a vessel, fill me up so I can overflow and I can pour out for the sake of your kingdom and your purpose. That is a powerful understanding. And that is what has happened in Acts chapter 2. And that is what's happening in the church today. Is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing, and we're going to close on this, this is going to be our application. Is not only is the Holy Spirit seen, not only is it heard, not only does it fill us up, Is that the Holy Spirit has purpose. And we could spend a lot of time on this, but the Holy Spirit has purpose. Verse 4 again says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, constantly, actively, passively. It's happening to them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was not their speaking in tongues, and, and I don't want to sidebar too far down on the, the speaking in tongues and the gift of that, but this isn't worthless, nonsensical babbling that they are doing. They're not babbling on like Jesus talked about the pagans in Matthew chapter six, but they're speaking languages for people to be heard and there are people that have come from all far off and it says a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken that they were speaking in tongues with purpose so that the gospel of jesus christ can be heard and the spirit as we're gifted and enabled that the the spirit has purpose in what it's doing that we're not being filled and poured out just for our own sake. It's for purpose. And the purpose is God's purpose and the purpose of his church. Not for you and I. As the gospel was advanced in the name of, the Jesus, of Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit came. It was seen. It was heard. And it filled them up. And it began its purpose. And so as we close with this idea of purpose, I, I, wanna, I want to share this this application with you. And before we do, I'll tell you a story And this idea of speaking. I know that we can get really divided and somehow this beautiful and powerful story of the day of Pentecost has become divisive within the church. But the truth is, is that this, this should be unifying for us. This should be encouraging, empowering for us. When we were in Nicaragua many years ago, there was a college student uh, that was with us on this trip. And I mean, I've known this He's not a kid anymore, he's a man. I've known this man since he was a sixth grade. And we went to this this uh, church in in the middle of Managua, Nicaragua, and we had this prayer and worship service. And there's this moment where we're there and we're praying, and it's a very charismatic church. Uh, I mean people the, the gifts of spirit are very prevalent, it's a very charismatic church. And the pastor comes over and Shay and I stand there and he has oil and he takes our hands and wipes our hands with oil until our hands are dripping with oil. He says, I want you to go and pray for people and me and Shay were both like okay like let's do this like well, I speak English I'm gonna pray for people in Spanish and there was this this college age kid that was there with us and he had been going through a really difficult time one of his best friends had lost his dad unexpectedly the week four and he was just mourning brokenhearted for his friend and he was there and he was praying and he was moved by the spirit and this, it, it, he becomes so very emotional and crying and weeping for his friend. which mean, just really moved by the spirit. And this little old Nicaraguan lady comes over to him, and she puts her hands on him. She puts her hands, sitting on the stage, she puts her hands on his, and begins to pray for him in Spanish. And he heard every word she was saying. Man, I gives me goosebumps. He, he could, at the same time, like you think about your, he, he could hear she was speaking Spanish, he did not speak Spanish. He, he knew and could hear she speaking Spanish, but his heart understood every word that she was praying over him. Every word, and he had breakthrough. And I mean, if that is not powerful, and I know this kid, I mean, for him to share this story was a big deal because that, that's not, he's not a sensationalist. He, he wasn't looking for attention. And for God to do that, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has purpose. always, always. The Holy Spirit has purpose. And so our two applications out of that idea, and they're going to be really quick as we close. The first is this, is to know your gifts. And and, and I didn't want to get too sidebar on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we will do something on that uh, soon. Um, for our church, but it's important that you know the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how you're gifted. If you go right now to our website, www.vessel.church, and you click on the Church at Home logo at the very top, Uh, there's going to be a link at the church at home that has a spiritual gifts assessment. Okay. We talk about Enneagram and I guarantee you everyone out there knows their Enneagram number. I know my Enneagram number and I've never even taken an Enneagram test. I'm a seven or so I've been told. And so the idea of this Enneagram number, we all know that. But how many of us know what our spiritual gifts are? And know how God is gifted. And so we've got this test on our website that you can do. And it is not a science that this test isn't black and white, but at least it gets you thinking. So if you don't know your gifts, I encourage you right now to go in to take that test. The second thing is is to not only know your gifts, do it, but to embrace a not for me mentality. And I want you to know, church, that every one of you every one of us who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ who have accepted Christ our Lord and Savior have been gifted with the holy spirit and we have gifts that have been that have enabled us but they are not for you those gifts are not for you the holy spirit is not some superpower that now you have some you know super ability the holy spirit is not to make your life easier the holy spirit and your spiritual gifts is not only not even for you to use for yourself the Holy Spirit is given to the bride, which is the church. And the, the Holy Spirit is there as a gift to the bride. And I can't say it strongly enough, church, if you don't embrace this right here, that, 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 and you call yourselves part of the vessel, I want you to know I, I need that. Gary needs that. Shay needs that. Everyone in that video needs your gifting because they're not for you. They're for us. And collectively, you take, you take all of these vessels, you take all these vessels you put on this table and that, that this is for the church and the Lord enables his spirit of the church. So I'm gonna pray for that and I'm gonna close us out this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for the gift of your spirit. I thank you that it fell on Pentecost. I thank you, God, that it falls on us. I thank you for your filling. I thank you that that is constant, that there are moments that we feel empty and your word promises that you'll fill us back up. God, I pray for every one of us right now to heed the call and to take hold of that calling for us to be vessels and to trust you to fill us up for your kingdom and your purpose and in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.